right on. Welcome, Mr. Cutis Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 60 for Sunday, October 23rd, 2011. I am Bill Wadman. And I am Dan Gottesman. And uh, sorry we missed a week. Uh, I was away. Yes, Bill was traveling. I was traveling, and I was thinking about doing an episode while we were traveling, but it got a little crazy because of my nephew. Oh, yeah? What happened to your nephew? Well, you just want to spend time with him, you know? Oh, oh, I see. Uh, you made it sound like something happened to him. No, 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 no. He's just crazy cute and 15 months old, so he's, you know. Oh, running around. Yeah, he's he's zooming, zooming. Zooming. Yeah. Uh, but uh, after we went to Austin, we went out to, we flew to Denver, mm-hmm. and then drove over the mountains to Moab in, Col- in Utah. Did you rent a car? Rented a car. So you drove from Denver to Moab, which is a good five, six hours. And then you drove back to Denver to return the car. Yes. Gotcha. Flew, flew in and out of Denver. Gotcha. Um, but we, we drove to Moab and went to Arches National Park, which nice. if you haven't been is very beautiful. I've seen the photos. Yeah, it's a good place. And uh, did that, and then we uh, we met up with Heather's brother, Frank, and he he joined us there. And we went to Goblin Valley. You know what that is? No. Uh, sounds, it's, uh, sounds it's, appropriate for Halloween. It's where they shot scenes from, uh, what was the Tim Allen movie? Galaxy Quest. You know when they're on the planet with the beryllium sphere and the little baby things are chasing him? I have a vague recollection of that. Well, it was filmed in Goblin Valley, which is just these weird, like, mud sandstone <laughs> things that are... It's, it's this little tiny state park in the middle of Utah. Huh. And, uh, and so we drove another, like, two hours to get to Goblin State Park. Um, saw that, and then on our way back, we actually stopped at what I think is the coolest thing of the whole trip. Well, two cool things. Mm. We got up one morning and we had some time to kill before we were meeting her brother. Mm. And I was like, well, let's go do something around here. Let's look up some stuff. And there was a, a thing on the internet and they said, well, there's some petroglyphs around like up the street. Hmm. What's a petroglyph? Is that, is that what they're called? I think that's what they're called, right? You you said it, not me. I know. I'm I'm testing it. Oh. Uh, it, it, basically, yep, petroglyph. These are, uh, like, uh, Native American writing on rocks and stuff. Mm. So it's sort of like the Petro as in petrified? Uh, I think Petro as in old. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're, gotcha. they're rock engravings, uh-huh. uh, pictograms, and that kind of stuff. So basically the hieroglyphics, but, you know, done by... Uh, Cavemen. Well, yeah, but done by Native Americans, right. So there's some of these on just like random rocks on random roads in Utah and that kind of area because it's so dry as the desert and these things have been there for a thousand years, 1400 years. Hmm. So uh, we got up and we drove to some of these and then right up the street, you climbed up this hill like on the edge of this like little cliff, which actually made me very nervous because I'm terrified of heights, especially on that like red rock that's out there that's kind of slippery. Sure, sure. Well, it's not that it's slippery. It's that it slides, you know, because yeah. it flakes off and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It can be scary. And there was a Allosaurus print, like an actual dinosaur footprint huh. in a rock Neat. that had like broken off the wall and kind of fell forward and somebody noticed it and they put a marker down. Neat. Yeah, it was totally cool. Um, so we saw those one morning and then on the way back from this Goblin Valley, uh, on a map that Frank had, her brother had, it, it, it said that there were these petroglyphs up north of like off this highway basically in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. so we're like all right well let's check it out because we got a we got a couple hours to kill so we go and we drive like 10 miles north of 
a what is essentially a ghost town now. It was probably some sort of like coal mining town or something back in the day. The mm. railroad went through it, okay. and now apparently there are like thirteen people still living there. The, like all the businesses are closed, like buildings are shut up. You know, like it's it's a mess. But you drive north from there up into this ravine, and you pull off the side of the road, and there are these like four foot tall drawings on the side of these rock faces. Hmm. These really ancient things. And then there's a whole bunch of graffiti people have put over the top of it and stuff, which is just really annoying. Like, what? Mm. Would, would you really do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, some people just are kind of yeah about that. But one of the one of the graffitis, which is the reason I bring this up, was actually from like 1861. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. And so it was just some person, like some, you know, old Western, what are those people called? Homesteaders and that kind of stuff. Sure. Like happened upon this and like put her name and the date down. And I was like, you know what? That's kind of cool. Well, that's actually kind of funny because, uh, you ever watched that, um, that HBO drama series, not Deadwood. Deadwood is, is closer to what you were talking about, but I was thinking about the graffiti thing. Uh, the show was called Rome. Uh, Uh, I have seen scenes from it. Yes. One of the cool things about that show, and this, I guess, this is sort of uh, standard fare as far as HBO is concerned. I think HBO nudity. The, 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 is that what you're no, going to bring up? No, no, no. The, yeah. I, I think that the the average HBO produced dramatic, you know, television series tends to have a higher quality to it. You know, as far as like the attention to detail and sure. production value and just quality in general. And one of the things I thought that was really cool about the Rome series was that they put a ton of energy and effort into uh, trying to you know portray uh, what Rome was like during that that, that time in history and uh, uh, apparently graffiti was a was a big I don't know you know problem or whatever sure. but graffiti was was around and alive and well back in those days as well yeah, sure it was um, and some of it was kind of kind of vulgar and primitive and what have you but yeah i don't know it's just interesting to same stuff as today to think about it yeah well yeah i guess so it's just uh it's interesting how that that what that element of what human creative spirit or whatever you want to call it uh was was around as far back as then and and you know people were still doing that yeah you know and it's just it's always been around well the the other thing that was about these is that there were a bunch of like bullet holes in the wall you know Mm -hmm. or or spots where you could tell bullets careened off Hmm. um which is the other thing, like, oh, we're cowboys, like, uh, just shoot at the things on the wall, you know, it's Ooh, like, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know, it, it, looking at it now, you're kind of thinking, man, these things have been there for a thousand years, like, they should be revered, not shot at, but I guess at different times, different whatever, but it's just kind of, it was a little sad that it was kind of beat up, you know, Yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll put some pictures, because I think I'm going to post a few, cool. uh, kind of neat. Yeah. Oh, and then the other thing we did was on uh, the night we were coming over the mountains, driving down to Moab, you're on this Highway 191, I think it's called, like going south towards Moab. It's literally in the middle of nowhere, and a car goes by every like five minutes, you know, that kind of place. And you can see it coming from like a mile away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it was the clearest night I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. And I think I actually posted a picture on my blog the other day. Yeah, I think I saw it with all the stars. Yeah. I mean, it was, I've never quite ever seen it that crisply before yeah you know i mean i don't think was, i've ever seen that personally it was it was scary because i mean you could see the the whole uh, uh milky way going all the way across the sky yeah and uh and so i was based upon our conversation with gary last week or two weeks ago mm-hmm. uh he was saying that you know you got to do like 10 or 
20 seconds tops because then you get the star trails and stuff. Right. But I didn't have a tripod with me. Mm. So the best I could do was like sit my camera down on the edge of the car uh-huh. and take a picture that way. But yeah. you can't really focus because you can't see you're in the dark. You know what I mean? Like you can put to infinity, but even that's going to be a little off unless you can really see. So right. they're not nearly as sharp as I want them to be. Mm. But, uh, but it's just amazing, man. Like I, I could totally understand how you could get into that stuff, you know, and I well, kind of, I wish I had brought a better tripod. And you've seen, I'm sure you've seen those uh, time-lapse movies that have been going around these days. Okay. I was going to get into that. So, yeah. <laughs> speaking of the time-lapse movies, we walked into Archer's National Park at dawn. We climbed up to a place called Landscape Arch just as the sun hit. Like, three minutes after the sun hit, we got to land this, this uh, Landscape Arch. Uh-huh. Super long. It's like 60 feet long or some crazy thing like that. Mm-hmm. Really thin. Been there forever. And... There's these two photographer guys standing there taking pictures, but they've got two cameras on tripods with these crazy tripod heads and then like things on the ground all plugged in. I'm trying to, I'm like looking at them real quick, trying to, well, I'm trying to get my pictures because it's dawn, you know. Sure. But then I'm kind of looking at them and it turns out they were doing uh, pans. Yeah, automated automated yep. pans and stuff. Sure. Yeah, they were doing those kinds of things. Yeah, and that's it, the re- that's all the rage, and then you, you also see dudes using rails too to do slides. Yeah. 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 And here's what I was thinking though: like it it was they were shooting a picture every three seconds or something. You know? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and I think Gary does a few of these because we they were some on his website, I think, or he sent me somewhere where he had videos like that. Hmm. And it, but the, I guess the thing that got gets me is because I was thinking about it is. The video thing is cool, mm-hmm. and I like the time-lapse idea, and it's very you know evocative, mm-hmm. but do people look at those more than once or twice? You know what I mean? Like, you, could, you probably have your favorite photographs, which you've looked at a hundred times. Maybe. You know? Sure. But I feel like, for some reason, the moving stuff, you don't revisit it in the same way. You know, it's the I, same thing with like movies versus say music. Like you listen to your favorite album a hundred times. You don't watch your favorite movie a hundred times. You, you know, know? I, you're talking about me and you. Uh, I personally know several people. These are the people who buy DVDs. These are yeah. the people who, uh, who, you know, who really put the time and energy into it. Uh, and, and there are some people who, and who like buy the television shows and, and, and subscribe to Netflix and, and really have their favorites. You know, you like, for example, you and I were, I think we talked about this a long time ago. I can't tell you what my favorite movie is. I don't have a favorite movie. You know, yeah. there's, there's a few movies that I've seen more than, I don't know, two or three times. But I have a bunch of favorite movies. But there's some yeah. people who are like real, like you and I are, as far as cameras and yeah, photography maybe. and stuff like that, uh, about movies. And yeah, um, I, I'm sure there are. But I just, I guess the, I guess my question is, like, is the whole moving picture kind of thing, kind of going back to even like the animated GIF stuff that's been happening lately? Sure. Like, is that a real thing, or is that just a weird little fad? I think it's a real thing. Yeah. Um, I think there's definitely some what we'll call heat. You know, fad fadness or whatever yeah. you want to call it going on right now. But uh, before you and I even met, like as as far back as maybe four or five years ago, more than that, even I can remember right towards the end uh, of my time in Chicago, uh, I have always had a little uh, soft spot for time lapse, and I even went so far as to build um, little contraptions out of Lego because uh, there was a point in time when I had when I lived in Chicago, I lived in an apartment. That was probably four times the size of the one I'm in now, and I had the room to have a a nice big desk with a bunch of Lego all over the place, and yeah. I, I like to make stuff. 
and um, I got one of those Lego Mindstorms kits that you could you know program, and I got some motors, and I even found this really terrific um, gizmo that let, lets you. It's it's actually uh, from um, in in Europe. There was a, a whole line of Lego that really didn't make it to the United States until I guess the '90s or so, and that was uh, trains, electric trains. So um, they had all these really cool trains-specific kits and parts, and one of the parts that was available was essentially a throttle. It was a big thing. You plug it into the wall, and then it had a giant yellow knob on it, and then you can regulate the speed of the motor so that you know your train could go fast or slow or whatever. Um, so I found a couple of those on eBay, and as I, I was able to use those to build little automated uh, camera transporters or whatever... And I just played around and I did some long panning shots, you know, out of my window and I did one at, at work sure. once and stuff. Anyway, the point is I played around with that kind of stuff and, and, and I always loved looking at whenever I would compile a time-lapse movie, I would probably sit there and watch it over and over again about a dozen times. And then anytime I would sit with somebody and show it to somebody, we would watch it, you know, a dozen times because, you know, these things are short. Sure. You know, they're like, what, 10, 20, 30 seconds at the most. Uh, and now, whether or not we come back to them or not, I don't know. It depends. Yeah, well, but, I think part of the problem is that you can print something out and put it on your wall, but unless you stick a screen on your wall and have things, you know, yeah, maybe in the future. I don't know. It <laughs> just it, it it seems like a still image. I don't know. Is it stands on its own differently? Somehow. Well, it's different. It's different, and you could. I mean, some people could argue that the moving image is is actually more compelling than a still image because sure. it can draw you in even more because there's motion and you're yeah. waiting you're, you're actually looking more uh you know attentively and 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 trying to f- interpret that and looking for a pattern looking for something you know recognizable or some other sort of event yeah. to occur well, they, they, look they're beautiful and the, i'm sure the things the guys were taking the other day are the kind of things that you'd see in say the the ken burns documentary about the national parks sure like that's the kind of stuff they use you know sure um I just thought it was interesting, just the sheer amount of time involved in those would, guys hiking up there and sitting. Yeah, there but for, I would put, dude, I would put that those guys in the same exact category as Ansel Adams and those those, those legendary landscape dudes who would, you know, well, think about it. These, what did he do? He was n- notorious for putting all of this heavy, insane gear on his back and hiking out in the woods for days on end. You know, waiting, waiting for the for the light. You know, waiting for the light to look right and yeah. and making a shot. You know, and that's arguably even more time-consuming and crazy than what those guys are doing you know yeah you know i guess the thing is even in like say portraits right there's there's sort of this fad now of of taking these like 10 second moving portraits of people yeah sure um and i sometimes i wonder if it almost gives too much information well if you're comparing it one frame versus you know nine thousand frames of course it's giving more information but i guess it leaves less to the imagination of the viewer than a single frame does Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're wondering if that's a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it necessarily leads to. I mean, it may lead to overall more accurate communication, but I don't know that it has the same sort of magic that a still does. You know, I don't. I can't. Or it's a different kind of magic. It's I don't know. I can't I, kind it, of put my my hand on it. I mean, I think the, the same thing. You you know would be comparing. Um, Let's see. Um, it's almost similar to comparing a song to a movie, you know, uh, a piece of music. Or, or maybe a better way to do it would be like a recording of a song to a performance of a song. 
you know, because yeah. in a lot of ways they're very similar, but in a, in a in a bunch of other ways they're totally different. Some some material just does not work uh, performed, you know, and some yeah. stuff only works performed. You know, you just you just can't get the same level of quality, the same experience, the same message, whatever, the same yeah. thing. You know, and, and it, it's just different. You know, there's di- there's different ways, different different medium different presentation and then different interpretation, you know, because yeah. different, some people can't, you know, we were talking before about how some people just, they don't have, uh, the, the, um, what's the word I want to use the gift, you know, the ability, some people like you and I both know people who can't clap, you know, in, in time or who can't sing in pitch or who can't sure. whistle, you know, yeah. and then there's people who can't balance very well, or there's people, uh, you know, who, you know, we can, we can go on and on. I mean, everybody has a slightly different way of interpreting something and, uh, it just depends on on where you came from and what speaks to you, you know. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, but the uh, so yeah, so I these guys were doing those motion things and it was pretty cool. And then nice. I had one of them take a picture of us, <laughs> which was a fairly mediocre picture. Oh, he, he uh, actually said it to you already. He well, no, I I had him take it with my camera. Ah, uh, uh, gotcha. um, but uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was fun. Uh, nice. I, I wish I had one of those fancy tripods like Gary has. Yeah, dude. I just nice. can't. I just for the amount that I use it, I just can't justify spending eight hundred dollars on a tripod. It's, yeah, it's expensive. Um, all right. So in the last week, iOS five, the iPhone four S, and now the new Google phone, the Nexus, and yeah. ice cream sandwich. Yeah, came out big time. And we were talking a little bit before, but you know these these new releases on both sides. And in some ways, the release on the Android side is a little bit more of a, uh, maybe a little bit more of a jump because they changed the interface a lot. Did they? Uh, yeah. Uh, but, and by the way, the screen, 1280 by 720. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> That's I nuts. Mean, it, I, it's funny because... Uh, 4.6 inches, is that what it is? The, yeah, I it's essentially absurd. the screen it's, is the size of the iPhone. Yeah, it's it's kind of absurd. Well, what's, what's absurd about it is uh, uh, I have a friend who is one of those guys who likes to wear his phone on his belt. Okay. <laughs> you know, and I, I never quite got those guys. I, 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 I don't know. But anyway, so I, I get him out with him for lunch the other day and, and I, I'm like, dude, what the hell is that thing on your belt? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like a little television the thing is huge. And then, you know, the that? screen is facing, you know, and then we, we, he was, he was showing, he was proud of it. It was, I think it was the Samsung one. It was the new, Big ass, the Samsung. Galaxy S two, yeah, something like that. Uh, and I'm just like, wow. Yeah, this one's big. even bigger than that. Yeah, amazing. Um, but I guess the 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 thing that I was going to say though is that these new phones and the new operating systems, they're I I am not lusting for any of them. And I think yeah. part of it is that just this whole mobile world has reached maturity. Well, we're, I think we're in the in an interesting lull um, where. Um, Things have slowed down. Well, not kind of. So, so I think I, uh, I think we, you, you and I were talking about this before. I, I've I've noticed how with technology, and maybe not even technology. There might be some other things that this can apply to. But I found that when a certain product um, gets if, is is lucky enough to sort of get evolved, so to speak, you know, or to get revised or updated without changing super dramatically you know for yeah. example you know an operating system or a computer um once it hits its its third main its third significant revision like version three um 
that's sort of like a, a plateau or that's sort of like a, a a milestone. You know, getting getting from version zero or version one up to version three can be a really big you know challenge. Some things don't don't last that long. Um, but but uh, you know, pick your favorite software application or pick your favorite computer. Uh, even cars and Windows bicycles. Three. <laughs> yeah, well, Windows in my in my opinion, Windows three was really like Windows one. That was yeah. like the first iteration of Windows. Right. So the third major iteration of Windows was what ninety eight, because first came, it was what Windows three, and that came, and then that got replaced by Windows ninety five, right? And then yep. there was Windows ninety eight, and I remember Windows ninety eight definitely broke on on a certain level. I think that was like the last version of Windows that had any competition from DOS or you know any of the other or OS two or anything else that might have been running on a on a you know an Intel PC back in the yep. old days. Uh, and then that took a while because I remember my dad was on Windows ninety eight for freaking ever. I think he made a mi- his his migration was from ninety eight to XP. Uh, yeah, see, I, I, think I was he's the kind of guy XP. who used all of those I, as I, they came I out. I always yeah. used every version as they came out. Yeah, right. But but in the grand scheme of things, there's some you know that looking at it the way you know we were just talking about how some people can't really afford to or it just doesn't make sense to from their you know usability or from their finances or their planning or their budgets or whatever uh they can't afford to do every single one so they have to choose you know every other one or every other other one or whatever but anyway so my point is uh i think i can't i can't really speak to the android thing i feel like android has been has been making way more um incremental minor tweaks from you know from the from the beginning to now uh both on the hardware and the software side uh and then obviously uh apple on the iphone and the ios uh world um you know, technically we're in, you know, this is the iPhone 4, right? And it's iOS 5. But I feel like versions 1 and 2, um, were they, they came so quickly, you know? They were so sure. fast that, um, that, that the, the iOS 3, which they weren't even calling iOS at that point, was really the first version, you know, that, that was stable. And that was the first version that, that supported apps and I think maybe not yeah. uh, and other stuff like that. Um, and if you think about it from a hardware standpoint, there was the you know the very first iPhone, which was the silver-backed one, and then the second one was the plastic black, uh, the black and white plastic-backed one. 3G. And now we're yeah the three and the three G and the three GS or no three G and three GS, and then that was replaced by the current one, which is the four and the that's the glass and metal one, which is the four and the four S. So it's really if you think about it, only three major design iterations, yep. and I think they've really landed. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think we talked about this before. I think the the iPhone current iPhone hardware design is is really good. I, you know, and Beautiful. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't one of the people who was like super psyched or or, or bummed. You know, I w- I'm not terribly excited about whatever the next thing comes out. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll, I'm definitely going to be curious about it, but I wasn't you know hanging any hopes on that. And yeah. I wasn't I surely wasn't disappointed when when that didn't when that wound up not being the case when they made the big announcement a couple of weeks sure. ago. Yeah, and it's you know it's like the the on the Android side, there's a whole bunch of UI things. There's you know the usual crap, the the high res screen and sure the OS has all kinds of things. In the, the iOS side, you have the um, Siri, I guess, and and yeah. the better camera maybe. Um, <laughs> but none of those things, you know, my sister and Kevin got my brother in law and my sister had got new ones while we were down there. They got delivered, you know, and th- they were nice. But, right, but not like not ground shaking, not like no, revolutionary like not, by any means. If if I could get one and not spend any money on it or spend 199 bucks, yeah, sure. Yeah, but I'm not going to go out of my way to get one. No. Um, and it's it's interesting. I don't know if that's a, a difference in me because I'm getting older and because 
of how I use my device. Right. You know, I, I don't, I don't perceive myself dictating something maybe, but like actually telling it to book things and all that stuff. I would never use it for that. Right. Just because I, I just I'm, I've had dictation kind of stuff on my computers and I've never used it on my computers and that's in a quiet house, yeah. not like on the subway or you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. I um, do. It doesn't work on the subway though, so don't yeah, worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean there, there there was a handful of places where uh, um, on Android dictating was handy because you could you could like dictate something that would be harder to type. You know what I right. mean, like a Google search or something like that. Sure, but. I would never can I don't control my stuff with it. And it's funny because there's all these people coming out and saying, Oh, Siri is going to be the next thing. And no one's ever going to use keyboards anymore. Cause they're just going to be talking to their devices. And right. It's like, I, I don't really want everyone sitting around talking to their device. All don't day worry. Long. Not, not everyone will be, uh, yeah. it is, it is a pretty remarkable and significant. Uh, oh, it's, it's thing. sure. It's neat, but it's like the next step in what we've been doing for years. You know, yeah, this is not I mean, anything new, you know, I it's agree. just, uh, yeah. so it's, it's, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. So it just got me thinking about the fact that these things, I used to be so excited about every new revision of everything. Sure. And now I'm like, eh, even my desktop computer is now almost three years old. Yeah. Look at you. And it's still really fast, you know, yeah. like, cause yeah. Um, well, you've also put some, you know, I think having the SSD factor, I, and I uh, put more cut, RAM in it and everything. Yeah, yeah. Definitely cut some of that, uh, um, down, but I just, but it's just, it's, I guess it's just interesting to me that these things are becoming, the maturity level on mobile happened in three years versus in 10 years or 20 years for desktops, you know, but it's a lot like of the whole stuff, thing's accelerated. Yeah. But they were also able to, to build, you know, build upon a lot of the stuff of course from they that. Did. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. there was some but, shortcuts, some groundwork laid, but I wonder if the next revision of whatever's coming after like your phone, mm-hmm will happen in you know a year and a half because you know that these things that we figured out certain modal things and certain ways of working with computers and and with machines that will just push forward and everything like the the cycles will get shorter and shorter and shorter you know it's Uh, possible it's possible it's interesting um so canon put out a new camera yeah they did that thing looks pretty cool okay well let's let's see here this is a uh one the the new 1DX. Right. Correct? Uh, I believe you're right. Okay, so what do we got here? We have... It is 18 megapixel full frame, 12 yep. frames a second. Yep. And I think it's... it's it, the, uh, there's a, one, one interesting significant thing about it is this is the first... Uh, this is, Canon is making kind of a statement here where they finally decided to, I guess, follow in Nikon's sort of footsteps as far as consolidating their pro camera lines where you know before prior to this canon had the 1d and then there's the 1ds yeah well wait but but canon nikon does the same thing with the three the 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 three and the three x or whatever no they're both full frame oh oh by doing both full frame okay gotcha well yeah nikon's pro line pro line cameras the d700 the D3 and the D3X are all full frame. Okay, but you could argue that having a slightly cropped sensor for the super fast sports one is actually an advantage just because it gives you more reach. Well, but you could always drop the D3 into a crop mode ah, so and get yeah. that speed. It, yeah, Canon never did that. Yeah, so so this is I think this is a smart move on Canon's part. It's it's one less product to have to worry about, and and I think it, they did a great job. I mean, it really looks like a cool camera. See, I have the exact opposite feeling about it. 
Okay. Do tell. <laughs> okay. It's it, what, what advantage does it give me over what's out now? Uh, well, nothing. Prob- I don't know about that, man. I mean, okay. I'm, let's put less, it this way: less, lo- less information, smaller files. Sure. And the other cool thing um, is that well, there's a couple of cool things. Uh, so f- first of all, uh, I as as I mentioned before, I'm a big fan of the the five D Mark II sensor. I think that's that's yep. that's a really really nice full frame sensor. Um, and I'm really I'm really curious to see how this one succeeds that you know I'm, I'm hoping that this they took they took that great sensor and gave it another stop or two of sensitivity and and made it you know made it that much better um so that's that's really cool you know being able to shoot um in the dark a little bit oh, better. yeah i mean the 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 well i mean the the 5d mark ii is still like you know right up there when it comes to low light usage yeah i'm really um, curious to see i mean there's also been talk of this 5d mark Three, which yeah. theoretically could have the same basic. Because I, I mean, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but didn't they? Um, the the one DS Mark Three, yes, has a full frame sensor. It does, which is I think very similar to the one that's in the 5D Mark Two, right? Yes, they're yep. very closely related. Very similar. And I, I would say that the one DS Mark Three also takes a fine picture. Um, it so, does. In fact, I liked it better than the 5D Mark II. So I'm really curious to see if they take the sensor that's in this new 1DX and we'll see it in the 5D Mark III. See, I'd be surprised if they... I'm surprised that they're moving down in megapixels. Now, I mean, look, I, I understand that it's very rare that somebody needs more than 18 megapixels or 20 megapixels. But that's a trend. I mean, that's a trend. That's yeah, been, I know. A, but it's already been established in point and shoots for sure. Well, sure, but like, but these are pro cameras, right? This is, you know, th- this is supposed to be the top of the line Canon camera, right. and it's actually giving me less information than the one from four years ago. Well, when you say less information, I, I you're, think ta- you're is, talking about quantity, not okay. quality. I guess what I'm saying is that this camera feels much more like a revision of the 1D, not the 1DS. Well, I think if I were to, I mean, like, I, I would describe it as as the blending of the two. Yes. They basically took the 1D and the 1DS and they smashed them together. But but and, it's and but it. it's much more the 1D because it's like I don't need I personally yeah. don't need 14 or 12 frames per second. Well, you don't have to. I don't need to shoot in the absolute dark. Okay. I want I want I mean they say okay, yes, it's 18 megapixels, but that the 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 uh, files are so sharp apparently. Yeah. It's the quality, can, man. It's no, the that, quality that, of the that pixels, you can, not the quantity. I know, of course, but that you can up-res <laughs> It's oh. a higher thing. So it makes yeah, me wonder if, well, yeah, well, exactly. But I, it makes me wonder if maybe they're using a different anti-alias filter or less of one. I, I, would, so I wouldn't be surprised if their sharpness is better. They're probably doing a bunch of new stuff. Cause the other thing I'm really curious about is the, uh, the new AF system. In fact, looking, I'm just looking at the, uh, at a picture now. And another thing that I think they've taken a cue from Nikon on, or at least a step towards Nikon's sensibility of, user interface design is, is is the customizable functions like a lot of these buttons don't have explicit labels on them anymore which means you can assign them to do different things and i like the fact that it has two of those little joy you know joystick thingies uh depending on which you know iterate you know which uh, orientation you have the the camera from either vertical Th- those or, buttons uh, have labels the label's just up top okay i guess you're right yeah. but the point is they're uh, they're all, they are customizable uh, yeah, and they okay. all, they i don't think they always were before 
Okay. Some of the, some I, of them were, and some of them weren't. I just I'm I guess I'm disappointed because I wanted a new camera that I would actually buy. I don't I don't see myself buying this one. That's fine. Um, it's like, only eight thousand dollars, so it's a good it's thing. It's right? like sixty five hundred, <laughs> I think. I don't know. But you know, I don't I don't need faster. I I want more information now. If this thing has a dynamic range that's a lot wider than what came before, then that then might be interesting to me. Yeah. The other thing that I'm kind of curious about, uh, there's a first, an industry first on this camera. Can you guess what it is? Ethernet. That's right. Which I think is actually pretty darn cool. I think it's super cool, and I'm really curious to see how do they, how are they doing that? Is it? I don't know. I, nobody said anything. I can't find anything. Any? No one has tested it, or there's hardly even. You can't even find a picture of the damn thing. Yeah. Um, what I'm really curious about is. Does it speak TCP/IP? I mean, do, can it can it participate in a network? Can I have it capture files directly to a, a shared folder on my computer? Yeah. Or will I be doing I'm some sure sort of thing where I'm tethering? There's some sort of software tethering? that can do that. Or or will it be doing more of a like a, a camera control thing where it's tethering via some software like capture? Will capture one be able to talk to it, or will I be yeah. stuck with using Canon's some Canon stuff? Yeah. Thingy, you know. So I'm, I'm yep. I think it's a really exciting thing, uh, especially if it's gigabit Ethernet because that's wicked fast. It is. Yeah. No, it's going to be crazy fast. And, and they and, also put the dual contact flash in there too. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Again, another cue from Nikon. I think that was yeah. a no. Well, their last Canon, I think, was one contact flash and one SD is like a yeah. you put it. Yeah, which is great, uh, and I think that's just a. a I'm actually no-brainer. surprised that they stuck with Compact Flash. I, I'm happy they did, but it well, seems Compact like Flash it, is faster, dude. Yeah, I know, but like I just, it's the kind of thing where the SDs are getting a lot faster, and I, I'm, I'm just waiting for the day when everyone wants to go to those, which I don't like as much because I lose them. Yeah, well, they're more fragile too. I think they're tiny, and they're just you know. Anyway, so you were going to say Ethernet? Sorry. So yeah, I'm just I'm really intrigued and excited about the concept of an Ethernet port being on a camera. Yeah, the Ethernet um, port, I was going to bring that up. There's other really huge cool. benefits to that because, uh, uh, first of all, RJ45 connector is a locking connector by default. Yep. So the odds of it getting pulled out and causing a, tr- a problem are slimmer. You can make one really quickly in the field. You can actually carry around a little kit and you can make a custom cable length. You yep. can't do that with USB. And it also, the nice thing about it is that it is universal, right? <laughs> yeah, that standard's um, been around for quite some time. Exactly. And it's not like, oh, we're going to do Thunderbolt, so you have to use a Mac. Right, um, or you have to use a proprietary connector like Mini right. DisplayPort. Uh, so no, it's it's very cool. Uh, I, you're right. I'm I'm interested in to see what happens, uh, how they implement the whole thing, and how it works. Definitely. Um, and then the video is the same, pretty much. I mean, you do 1080p at yeah, it's all 25. Yeah, stuff. I was I was waiting to see if they if these cameras would go higher because I mean the sensor obviously can get more information. So I was waiting for them to actually implement that you know yeah uh Um, who knows yeah so um i don't know it's just it's look it's a very nice camera and the autofocus is supposed to be nice you know it's really funny on canon rumors some people are bitching because uh it requires at least uh f 5.6 to use the autofocus the new autofocus or something like that what like a maximum like your your aperture has to be able to open up to at least 5.6, right? Who Which, has a lens that doesn't do okay, that? Okay, well, here's the thing, right. So, apparently, if you use an F4, a, a, a 600 oh, millimeter okay. F4 with a double... 2X lens, a teleconverter. Exactly. Like, then you but, lose that stop, okay, and then it doesn't okay. work. Oh. Dan, yeah. how, how small of a group of people is that? Dude, how it's much not of how, a niche is that? It's 
that you're talking about the the two three hundred photographers who go to the Olympics every time. Exactly. I mean, that's that's a lot. Of, but that's a lot of money, dude. There's a lot of people who no, no sure, sure. But like, I mean, using the because I mean, there are ones that are like two point eight that aren't six hundred. You know, the four hundred they make one that's no, you but know. people still people do that. I mean, if you if you need that kind of a reach and you're the kind of person who uses a teleconverter, I but I think and, and the, and the argument were. Here's the thing. The argument for teleconverters only gets better as these sensors get more sensitive because this way losing losing that stop or two by by teleconverting, um, yes. you can c- compensate for that with ISO now, where you, which know. you couldn't at, before. At the point at which you have a 600 millimeter lens with a two-time teleconverter, you are literally attaching a telescope to the end of your... Right. Yeah. But some, some people need that. Sure. Yeah. But I, I agree. Just think it, that- is, it is definitely a, a slim... And minority are, yeah but people are saying like i can't believe they did that and and you know of course they how are, are they not of it's like are, are you kidding me these, like, but these are the people who also have the 15 12 15 grand you know that they, they can afford to drop on the lenses like that you know yeah. i mean that's no absolutely um i don't know i just i think that i think that the camera is cool i would like to see if the sensor is actually a generation better then it's interesting to me it sure as hell better be it's been almost three years man come on yeah yeah Right. But, you know, but I don't know. I mean, the, even the limiting factor of my sensor, I mean, yeah, dynamic range, maybe. But resolution-wise, it's it's the lenses as much as anything, you know. Yeah. Um, you have to use really good glass with these high-end cameras anyway. Uh, it, so it, it'll be interesting to see. I'm just disappointed because I wanted a, I want a 30 megapixel 1DX or 1DS, rather. Right. That's what I want. Really, you, um, you you need to get that much bigger. You want bigger files. Personally, yes. Do I actually need them? That is arguable. I, I mean, if you're talking about that size, I you know, just get a you know get a medium go format, medium format, man. right? But yeah, the whole idea format. is that you can carry this thing around. You're not carrying around a medium format camera. Some people do. Yeah. Okay. But you know, that's forty thousand dollars. This thing would be eight thousand dollars. That's a big difference. Um. I don't know. I just, and the autofocus and all those other great things about yeah, it. I hear you. Um, I, hear you. I don't know. I just, I wanted something that would actually make me want to upgrade from my 5D, and I have yet to see that. Okay. So, anyway, it just, I was surprised at some of those things. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting my hands on it and checking it out. But really, 14 frames per second? <laughs> it's a lot. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's only, you can only do it as a JPEG, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, but uh, one other thing was interesting is that apparently uses an electronic first curtain, the shutter. Oh right, it, I think you, it does a lockup thing. So you basically lock the mirror up, and then it does its. You yeah. Know, so you get your you get your shot, and then uh, I don't know how it handles autofocus if the mirror. It's is basically up. shooting video at that point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's true. It, it's, um, it's slow and stuttery video, but pretty yeah. much the same thing. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was uh, I thought it was interesting, although I was not like I'm not goosey about it. Just like the iPhone 4S. Just like the iPhone 4S. See, everything's become mature. It's just you're, you're getting old. You're an old man. Bitter old is that man, what it Bill. is? No. Well, yeah, they maybe were, a little. You know, they were talking on uh, on Hypercritical last week. Uh-huh. Did you listen to Dan and Sarkeesa? I, I, I'm pretty sure I did. Okay. And they, he was just talking about how, you know, I think when I get old, I'll still be up on all this technology. Oh, right, right, I'm right, not right. going to be. Do you think that you will be? Or no. do you think there will be a point at which, like, you, you, we think that we will be? No, I, I know I won't be because there's stuff that kids are talking about today that I don't, I don't care anymore. <laughs> you know, I learned that. Yeah. I think my first example of that it was like I remember when I was a kid and thinking about like I think I was babysitting for somebody or I was hanging out with somebody in their and they had like a younger brother who's like ten years younger than us. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, we, you know, we were just hanging out and watching whatever he was watching or checking out the toys. You know, and there was a point in time when I thought I would never not love playing with toys and watching cartoons. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I definitely, I, I think I evolved out of that a lot later than most people. You know, yeah. I think I think I was still, you know, watching cartoons and playing with toys uh, kind of into high school, I want to say. At least definitely into middle school, for sure. Um, which, and, and, you know, and I noticed that fewer and fewer of my friends were, were still into that. Um, and, you know, and that, so, that, so I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's fine. I, I mean, I can't ever imagine a time when I won't be into this stuff. But sure enough, <laughs> I got a little bit more mature and my interests changed and, and I lost touch, you know. And you could say the same thing, I mean, to use those examples. Like, I, I, I still don't understand how shows like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, these, yeah. these you know, cartoons... I mean, there are, you know, generations of kids who were young, you know, guys who are like, what, 10 years younger than us, maybe not even, uh, who that was their, you know, we could, we could insert our version of that. You know, I think like we were into what the, the Smurfs and Scooby-Doo. And, I always hated the Smurfs, but yeah. But for example, you know, like the cartoons of our vintage, sure. you know, of our era. Uh, and then I bet you if we talk about, if we t- go t- hang out with guys who are five, 10 years older than us, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you guys are watching that junk. You know, and those yeah. guys were watching... Uh, you know, whatever the the Bugs Bunny stuff and Tom and Jerry and you know older stuff from from the sixties. So are we so, going to be the so kind, the, are we going to be old guys who look at our phones and go, I don't need a phone that I can talk to. I want to push buttons. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Um, we'll see. I don't want to talk to that computer. I just want to. Yeah. So you're going to be drunk when you're old, is what you're saying? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> oh, by the way, one last thing on the One DX is: uh-huh. Did you see the high ISO performance? I or did. It goes up to. 204,800 ISO. <laughs> they, just, they just had to one-up Nikon on that one, right? Because I think Nikon me? tops out at 192, 119,280 or something like that. I can't remember. It's ridiculous. It's, this stuff is just crazy. It's 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 getting silly. But, the, the, uh, the, the, the standard range goes to 51,200. Yeah. It's not even getting into the high. High 1, high 2, and high 3 or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. The high yeah. 1 and high 2 are at 100 and 200,000. <laughs> it's kind of silly. And then you shoot, um, imagine then you shoot those as JPEGs at your 14 frames per second. <laughs> well, it actually slows down after 3200 apparently. Ah, uh, uh, alas. Uh, but but still, you know, I mean, they made a point that uh, that's useful for like law enforcement and government and forensic stuff. Which okay, you could argue. Sure. No, of course. Um, yeah, I don't know about it. like the, get, getting lost in in the like not caring as much about things that are coming out. I don't. It makes me sad a little bit. Like I am getting old. Uh, I mean, I I hear what you're saying. I. I I don't feel like I'm getting sad. I think I'm kind of psyched about it now because there's other things that you, I don't know about you, but I've noticed as I've gotten older, you know, about myself that have changed, Yeah. you know, and I kind of, I'm kind of psyched about them, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely some negative things too, for sure. You know, while I was <laughs> out in, while I was out in Utah, the AES convention was in New York city, which is the audio engineering society, mm-hmm. which is, you know, consoles and compressors and microphones and that kind of stuff the kind of stuff i went to school for sure and uh every year it's either here or it flips and it's in san francisco i think every other year so it was here this year mm-hmm. and uh and berkeley usually has like a party for all the people of my ilk um which was this past wednesday or thursday or something and uh and i missed it because i was out in utah but I was planning on going, and I had pre-registered for the for the conference for free. You know, I got one of those passes. Sure. Um, 
And I didn't end up going. And, and But anyway, mm. because I've registered, I got some big, giant, honking magazine today in the mail, or nice. when we returned, um, which has, like, all the newest, latest, greatest, cool stuff and gizmos and boxes and, you know, interviews with people and stuff. And I was flipping through it during dinner. And you know what? Mm. I couldn't care less. Yeah, dude. It's funny. Like, I really couldn't care less. And I it's just, just, yeah. It's, I, it's somewhat the same with the camera stuff. It's like all these new cameras keep coming out. And I'm like, you know what? None of these things change what I'm trying to do, which is take a certain kind of picture. Well, yeah. And here's the thing, man. What's what's kind of funny is that this is all new and, and, and interesting to us, right? We're talking about, like, the, us now realizing that we're not interested in, in the newfangled, good, fancy, schmancy in stuff. In gear, yeah. Well... I can only think that there had to be a jillion guys, you know, thousands of people who were in exactly this same spot 10 years ago when we were super into that stuff, yep. you know, who like, you know, and it granted, if, you know, and I think that, that that's a cycle. That's a generational cycle that just happens as people change, as technology yeah. evolves and as people get older, you know, it just it's just they're probably two curves that are very similar in shape, you know, I just wonder if we maybe hit it. Since we, when we were interested in this stuff, things were changing at a pace. I feel like they were changing faster than they're changing now. Or, or, or wait, no, they're not, they're changing fast now. They're just changed more fundamentally before. Maybe I, I don't think we have the, uh, we don't have the foresight, the perspective. Do I don't think yeah, we have the, right. the, you know, we can't really say that because we weren't around. We weren't, we weren't, you know, who we were. <laughs> if that it's, makes any sense. No, it does, and it's just it's it's the kind of stuff that really makes I don't know makes you think. Yeah, uh, you know, um, on the on the on the plane back yesterday, we were we took this United flight, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was a seven fifty seven, which is a bigger plane than I normally fly on because we almost always fly JetBlue for a number of reasons. Sure, um, but this was the cheap flight coming back, so we took it, and so we're sitting there, and Heather's in the middle seat, and I'm on the aisle, and across the aisle from me, this old man comes and puts a briefcase up in the. Uh, up in the thing takes his hat off puts his hat on top of his briefcase in the upper thing and sits down doesn't use headphones the entire time isn't reading anything is just looking around you know older guy uh-huh cute as a button though you know what i mean like the guy you want to be your grandfather uh-huh. you know so based on physical appearance anyway physical appearance alone uh-huh yeah. um and so i'm sitting there and and i pulled out my laptop and i started watching a documentary about pete souza do you know who that is did he invent the souza phone no, no that's, he's John, the, that's John Phillips. That's John. Yeah, Sorry. he uh, he is. Oh, he's the, the White House photographer. Exactly, yeah, the yeah. White House photographer. So the National Geographic did a documentary on White House photographers a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think did I might have watched watch it. I think I did. It was. It's fascinating. It's nuts. Um, Those guys are like that's got that's like yeah. one of the highest stress jobs I can even imagine. I would never want that job. Me neither. Screw yeah. that. But anyway, so he, there he is, you know, zooming around, taking pictures, and they're talking to the presidents. They're talking to whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching about half of it, and I could see he's kind of like looking, kind of over at my screen, and kind of watching along with me. Mm-hmm. Of course, without headphones on, so he can't hear anything. Mm-hmm. So I get up, I go to the bathroom, I come back, I sit down. And he said, excuse me, you know, like, what, what, what were you watching there? And I said, I was watching this National Geographic documentary about White House photographers. And he said, oh, that's fascinating. It was one of the coolest things I've seen in a lot, you know, <laughs> one of the more interesting things I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm sure you could find it somewhere, you know, if you want to see it. And so we got to talking and uh, his name was Dick. And he was flying from Denver to New York to see a guy who was a friend of his since he was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. This, okay. He's 80, 85 now, 80-something, 80 82. That's a long time. Yeah. And his friend apparently has uh, cancer, lung cancer. 
That's too bad. And so he was coming to see his old friend, like possibly for the last time. Hmm. And it got me thinking on a number of levels. First of all, like we sat there talking for the 10 minutes we were coming down and landing and stuff. And, uh, and he's like, who's that? I said, I told him I was a photographer and he's like, who's that, uh, Canadian photographer. I'm like, Yusuf Karsh. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started talking about Karsh and then I was glad I came up with the names that he was looking for because mm. otherwise I would have felt like an idiot, you know? Sure. Um, but he was a history professor, uh, at the university of Boulder for like 40 years. And, you know, I mean, this guy had been around, he worked at Harvard for years and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, but it got me thinking, do I know anybody I mean, my friend Matt Garrity, I think, is probably the only person I know that I've known since I was 10, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm still friends with him. Mm-hmm. But it's just there was something, like, very life-affirming about seeing this guy going to visit his friend. His lifetime friend, basically. Yeah. He's yeah. known the guy for 70-something years. It's nuts. And, and But it was also kind of sad because it may be the last time he sees him, you know? Yeah, well. I mean, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it was just... It, it was... <laughs> It was a very nice experience, I guess. And the guy and the guy shook my hand. And he's just like, it's been so nice talking to you, you blah, 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 you know. Um, and he obviously doesn't travel all that often anymore, you know, mm. just and apparently he was traveling with just his little briefcase and his hat. And he goes, <laughs> I was in the Navy. I was in the Marines for years. Like, I've learned how to travel without a lot of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but just this guy was interested in this documentary, which I think everyone should watch if they're photo people this was really cool stuff yeah for sure um we'll put it in the notes. They, they said that they uh like what did he say Thirty thousand pictures a week or something <laughs> it's absurd yeah so many pictures and like a, what like 25 percent of those or like a third of them are just handshake posing our handshake photos <laughs> and and he can, and none of them are you can't delete any of them no like even all the of them are part yeah, of the archives every every single file that gets captured has to yeah get, uh, it is kind of cool how the obama administration has started has that flicker feed where they put them up yeah over time and then they, i think it's neat that they also maintain a, a gallery that gets pretty well you know relatively well uh rotated you know in the in, west wing yeah the prince yeah yeah which is kind of neat no, it's really cool. And, you know, I wonder, and it was interesting because um, they showed Pete taking some pictures and he had a really weird way of holding his camera. Did you notice this? I don't remember. He, okay. So he's holding it with right hand on the grip uh-huh. and his left hand, he had his thumb under the body and his like pointer finger underneath the ed- the front end of the lens. Oh, like he's making like a, a, a fake gun with his left hand. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Uh, which, but you know, and, and he held it that way. I don't. I guess for stability or whatever. Uh, but it was. Yeah. I know everyone's different, but it was just interesting. It kind of made me want to try it because it was like the way he was holding. Uh, it's kind of cool. I've I've gotten really comfortable with uh, with that grip where I like I really like tucking my elbows in. So I basically like I you know pull kinda, it all into your chest. Yeah, just, I give I I pull I like literally pull the camera towards my face. And I use my left hand, you know, to really kind of anchor it. Yeah. You know, where I, and I, I don't hold it as tightly with my right hand because I find I get fatigue in my yeah. right hand if I'm holding it for too long. It also has to do with, you know, the stance of your feet, too, I guess is. Yeah, it's true. I guess it depends on what and what kind of lens you have, if it's a heavy lens or if it's a light yeah. lens or if you're running yeah, around I, or if you're standing th- still. You know, th- there was, a. I think, obviously, most of the time he had some zoom on there, like a 24 to 70. Yeah, I guess thing. that kind of gig, you kind of have to be prepared. Yeah. I mean, I, but he does, I, I do remember he does have two bodies. I think he always has yeah, he, two bodies he, on him. He has two bodies on him. Man, could you imagine carrying two 5Ds around on your, like, 
They're not that bad. And you know, well, no, they're not that bad, but with lenses on them all day long. I'm just saying, they're not as bad as 1Ds or, or no. B3s. Well, you know? one thing I was interested in was that he didn't have them over his neck. He just kind of had them on his shoulders. Yeah. Whenever I carry a camera just on my shoulder, it always feels like it's slipping off. Well, Do you, you have, have that good, feeling? No, you have good straps. Mm, I guess that's what it is. Anyway, the, one of the things that he used, I noticed, was um, a longer lens. It was like a, let's see what it was. There's a there's this one. I think it was like a twenty four to one hundred five or something like that. I think it's the I think it was the one thirty five f two mm. that he had on there. That's a, a great lens. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I've it's it's the kind of thing I would never use, but it's supposedly uh, a fantastic, you know, portrait lens and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah, I, I, that job seems like a nightmare. Like working thirteen, <laughs> shooting for thirteen or fourteen hours a day. Yeah, dude. That's... Oh God. That's yeah, that's that's one way to sap the love out of photography. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, but but also, but the opportunity, right? Because I mean, he's in the room when you know Osama bin Laden is getting killed, and you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I mean, he's the dude. He's participating in the recording in history. Of history. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And it was one interesting thing he said was that you know he's like I shoot everything because you don't know what's going to be historic. Yeah, you have no idea what it's. I mean, when you're in the moment, you don't know if that's going to be like the the yeah the, the moment. Something exactly. big could happen and you just happen to be there, you know. It's true. I know. It was interesting. Um, so somebody, uh, to wrap up here, somebody asked us to comment on uh, the shifting state of Facebook privacy. Okay. You know, that, that one isn't minute it, they're like, we don't care about your information. <laughs> well, I guess that's the thing. No, no, no. True. True. Yeah. Um, but is, is that on purpose or are they... You know, when when they initially come out and say, you know, we don't, we're not tracking you, we don't care, blah 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 blah. Are are, are they actually honest about that, or are they just like, oh, we'll just lull them into a sense of, I don't know. We can. This might be too big to get into at this point, but here's my take on it. Okay. Um, I personally feel that uh, in the grand scheme of things, the original intent, the original intention from from the guys who made Facebook was good you know like it, I think the idea and the concept and the, the implementation all that stuff is pretty on on the level and that's what a lot of people identify with you know this is a really cool thing for people to, to stay in touch with one another but as it got popular as it got more successful um, and as it grew uh, dollar signs began to uh, to get in the way and unfortunately and I think this has happened many, many times in the past uh, with many companies, many products. Um, money winds up screwing everything up. So my my again, my interpretation is that because Facebook is as popular as it is, and it is such a tremendously lucrative and you know and potentially you know huge potential for for generating money, um, compromises have to get made, and that's where things can get really hairy and crazy. When, it comes, yeah. when you get lawyers involved and when you get, you know, licensing, you know, licensing agreements involved and, and privacy and, and those sorts of things, uh, I'll, I'll bet you, you know, I guarantee you in the first year of, of Facebook, uh, those dudes had, hadn't, didn't even dream of this stuff. You know, some of the crap that's going on now, all these, sure. you know, because they never thought it was going to get this big. I don't think. I, I guess my question is, do you think that the average user of Facebook will change anything based upon the shifting you know that, that th- people will stop using it or no. use it less or put no, less think, stuff up because of the, all that. The average user of Facebook doesn't know or doesn't care. Um, all Do they you want. Care? I don't care. I don't. But I'm not an average user. Um, I don't. T- I don't really use Facebook that much. 
Uh, I use Facebook, um, you know, more, more, I lurk more than anything else. You know, I, I use it to just see what other people do. I, I very rarely put anything of my own up there, if that makes any sense. Yes. I mean, I use it for a, as a broadcasting medium, mostly. Yeah. You know, like I'll put well, yeah, and you got it all on my blog and you're doing the, the quote unquote social networking thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll use the one thing I will use it in for is, is for inviting people to, to, to stuff to like shows and stuff like that. But even that, that never works. No one ever comes to anything. Um, but I, you know, that, at least that way when I do it, I, I can, I can say that I did it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Cause then sometimes you meet someone like, Oh man, you should tell me no when you have your next thing. And I'm like, okay, sure. Um, um, and then I do, I do actually the, the closest thing to any kind of social networking that I do. And I'm sure you've noticed this is, uh, my, it's real simple and basic. I I basically, as I've mentioned before, I spend 90% of my time on the internet in Google reader. And I, you know, I, I subscribe to dozens and dozens of feeds. And whenever I encounter something that I think is cool, funny, interesting, weird, whatever, uh, I just use Google readers share feature which you can either you can there's two variants you can either just the share button and then it it shares it up to your shared stream or you can share with a comment which is kind of cool and i use that about half the time Uh, and then i basically link that i basically have a little gizmo a little facebook app i can't remember what the hell it's called that basically just looks at my google reader shared feed and then posts that at my facebook feed so whenever i hit the share button on um in Google reader that appears in both my Facebook stream or whatever you want to call it. And in, in my Twitter stream. And I would say that's probably 75% of the stuff that I, you know, post anyway, it's automated, you know, it's very, very, I don't really do any hand handwritten. I do maybe like one handwritten thing every two weeks or so. I was told by somebody that the automated things to post to Facebook uh-huh. Don't propagate in the same way as if you do it manually. That makes sense because I think they're using because they have to use special APIs and little routines that require special permission, and that I think yeah. those back end services aren't as reliable as the front end services, so to speak. Yeah, um, like if you go and and paste a link into a status update, it is yeah. different than if you have something post a status update for you. I believe that. I I, um, I, would, I think I've noticed weirdness in that respect. So I've actually started doing it manually more than I used to. Huh. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I, again, I don't use Facebook for all that much and the stuff I have up there, like whatever, if somebody sees a picture of my nephew, I'm not, you know, yeah. um, and, and to some extent just to remain not relevant, but you know, to, to be out there and exist in Facebook yeah. is somewhat necessary in a sad way for some um, people. Yeah. Yeah. It is for, for sure. certain kinds of places and things you're trying to do. And it's a good place to collect people that you're like, Oh, I met this person at some party or something. And it's just so easy. Yeah. We have it on our phones yeah. and it's just, it's, it's really become the, you know, the, the AOL of, of today, you know, cause yeah. in the old days before the internet was as, uh, whatever the word ubiquitous as it is now, um, that's, that's all there was, you know, yep. that's, that's, you know, you, you, you either had some weird custom, you know, local ISP for your email address, or you had an AOL.com address. Remember when having an AOL.com address was a good thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> the year was 1990. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was good. It I, was I had a, I had a, uh, um, a college thing at that soon after that. I think my first email address, Did we talk about this last time. I don't know. Yeah, it was like WGW. Ninety-eight zero zero one at uconvm.ucon.edu. That was your first email. I think so. Interesting. I had two. 
because it was uh, in ni- 1993. Yeah, this was in 93. Me too. Did you ever have a FidoNet address? No, we. I had. I I logged into a bulletin board that had Fido access, so I could browse, but I never never participated. Yeah, never, I never posted anything. Man, that's old school right there. Hell yeah, dude. What about Gopher? You remember Gopher? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember Gopher being the t- the place that like this guy I knew found out about Kurt Cobain dying. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, anyway. Uh, we can wrap this one up. So wait, was there a point to the privacy thing? The question? I guess I, I guess he just wanted to know what we thought about how it shifted and we could like rant about well, it. But you know, my thing is that you're, you're right. They're, they're of course they're going to do this. They're going to make money. Yeah. I guess the question is, I don't know. I don't. I don't trust. It comes to a trust thing. Yeah. I trust Google more than I trust Facebook. Okay. I trust Google more than I trust Apple. Oh, which by the way, uh-huh. I think we should talk about iCloud next time. Okay. And Dropbox and all those kinds of things. I think okay. it's interesting. There's, I'm sure there's there's ton to talk about for sure. Yeah, there's stuff to talk about there. Um, but I guess it comes down to trust. Like, who do you trust? I don't well, trust Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, there's trust you know. and there's common sense as well. Yeah. Um, what, what, yeah. What, I think what you need to do, and, and this is something here, just to sort of come, touch on another bit that we were talking about before. What I'm really curious about is 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 10 or 15 years from now when the kids who are born with this stuff, you know, when, when the kids who, who don't, will, will, will not have ever known a world without the internet or Facebook or, you know, status of my nephew or any, sure. yeah, sure. So these kids are going to learn those lessons. It's so funny, man. Cause like I get these emails from my mom every once in a while. Is this spam? Is somebody, is this, is this, should I reply to this? This isn't yeah. real. Is it? It's like, I'm, you know, and, and she's getting it. I've definitely taught her some basic tricks. Um, but li- it's like little kids too. Little kids are going to have to go through that lesson and learn, just like we were, you know, not to touch the stove and not to, yep. you know, not to not to pet the dog in its mouth or whatever. You know, there's all kinds of lessons yep. that you learn the first time when you're when you're when you're learning and uh, when you're a kid. And uh, you know, we're dealing with them here in the middle of our lives. But yep. uh, but when 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 you're born with it, I'm really curious to see how those th- sorts of things evolve. If you if you're sort of you know if you've been in on it since the very beginning since your I, very beginning sure you know? and I also think that the you know there's this fear that you know kids all the things you're putting on Facebook when you're in high school well when you go get your first job people are going to see the pictures of you drinking or whatever it is you yeah know, but you know what that's fears. but that's going to you know be what? the that's same thing the way the life is going to have to be because yeah, like people, exactly people need to start learning that like it doesn't matter what somebody did 15 years ago on Facebook or you know what exactly. I mean that, the, exactly. that you can't take that into account exactly the concept. The real question is 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 the is is just how diluted, how like broken down is the concept of privacy going yeah. to be? You know, it's not a question of if if. I mean, it's happening right now. Privacy I, I, is not existent. I don't think I don't think that people need to need to hide themselves more. I think that other people seeing this stuff need to use that information differently. Well, I th- and I think, or, or perceive of it differently, you know. And I, I don't think that that's the kind of thing that we can cha- we can we can't no. really change that on our own. But Time's as society evolves, it yes. will adapt. You know, we also if we if we really want to get into this, and I don't think we do today, but the the best person to talk about privacy with is uh, is our old pal Mossman. Uh, oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, he's a, you know he's a security professional as far sure. as uh, computers are concerned. He did a whole bunch of that work for the government. Yeah. Um, and he might be able to shed some interesting light on that. So right, if, well, if this is a we'll, topic that people really want to hear more about, uh, we can have him come back on and get an update yeah. on what he's been up to. A little round table. Sure, sure. Okay. We will do that. Uh, to wrap this up, we are Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan. You can find us at circuitous.tv. Right. At circconv. 
on Twitter. Yep, yep. Uh, at Bill Wadman, at Dan Gottesman on Twitter. Or you can write us at circuitous converse. Is it just circuitous at conversations at gmail.com? That's it. Circuitous conversations at gmail.com. I made a, a text expander uh, shortcut for that since it's a pain in the ass to type. Ah, uh, you're so slick. I'm so you. slick. You're trying to be like Merlin Mann. Totally. You probably have a text expander to type your own name. I don't. I, that I can type pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Having uh, typed a yeah. uh, time or two. All right. Well, sorry we missed last week, but I hope you enjoyed this one, and we will be back uh, soon. Yes. Thank you for listening. Later, Dan. Bye.